0: Welcome
1: back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. We are on for the first time in 2020 to review the Supercoach website for the first time, pretty much, Pistol. How are you, mate?
0: I have been well. I'm refreshed back from my honeymoon, back from a slight Supercoach break. Uh, As you said before, I actually have only logged in once, so it's pretty much live reactions. Um, As I didn't get time to do so beforehand, and JB, I think the 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 best part of my last couple months was I actually got to meet you in real life. That was one of the best parts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's that, then super coach opening, and then wedding. (laughs) well i'm
1: sure i'm sure mrs pistol's listening so (laughs) cop that um no yeah it was brilliant i got to meet yourself and chizo in the flesh and neither of you disappointed chizo still had that voice and you still gave me absolutely no content to laugh at
0: well i'm just glad that i wasn't the shortest out of three of us so that's all that really mattered to me
1: do you want to shout out who that that short one was Oh,
0: no. I I actually don't think Cheeser will be listening to this, so uh, it won't even know. Anyway. I feel like you just shouted it out anyway, but...
1: (laughs) That's true. All right, let's get cracking. As you mentioned, you've only logged in the once. I've logged in a couple of times, not made any changes to my starting squad because I sort of got the the skeleton in there and uh, obviously a lot will change when JLT starts, but it's pretty much live reactions for both of us and we're going to go through that, so line by line, we're just going to have a quick look at some of the players that we do like, some of the players that we've maybe been seeing around the Twitter sphere that we don't or haven't taken a liking to thus far, and we'll start off in defense, Pistol, so what's catching your eye straight away? There's there's four players listed above 550k here, so four uber premiums, you could say. Which one of them, for you, or some maybe none of them, are catching your eye the most?
0: I mean, out of the four of them, straight off the bat, I'm going to be looking at, I guess, Zach Williams. Uh, it's it's pretty tough with all these GWS options because they were so injury plagues last season that all their players kind of shuffled position. We know Zach Williams played throughout the midfield. However, with a fully fit side, you would expect him to actually play more you know, back in the back line. So I don't think that will really... I guess strongly negatively affect his scoring output. He, he was still averaging 100 anyway as a defender. Um, I just feel like he still has that potential upside that maybe Hooley who you know smashed it and went you know 105, and Hearn went 103, even though he had a poor into the season. I feel like they're sitting kind of closer to what their uh, ceilings really are.
1: I've, yeah, you mentioned Shannon and Hearn there straight at the bat. A lot of people I'm seeing are starting him as a. I, I'm going to contradict myself straight away here. Not a lot of people because they're starting him as a, a sort of POD option. Um, they, I, the word that I'm hearing is that he's got that 100 sort of floor, and that you know he's. I mean he's put that out for years and years now. So. It wouldn't surprise me if he went near that number again this year, but like you said, he just doesn't really have the ceiling of the others. I'd probably put Shannon Hearn as my fourth sorry, I'd put him and Hewley as my, my two worst options. Lloyd I'd consider and Zach
0: Williams I think is locked into my side. Well, well, Lloyd is fully dependent on role. I mean, we saw towards the back end of the season that Dawson started taking some of the kickouts and he kind of was creeping into Jake Lloyd's uh, space a little bit and Lloyd's Scoring completely dropped off um, in the last few weeks, so for me it's it's kind of scary because do you really want to pay 591k for a defender just for them to you know have reduced output from the get-go? So uh, you'd have to watch the preseason and see exactly where Dawson's playing to be able to make a call on whether or not to start Jake Lloyd. Now, of the next batch of
1: players, we're not seeing a lot of variety in this sort of section. I think Rory Laird has been a popular one early. Average of 96 last year. I think a lot of people expect Crows to bounce back this season as they do kind of every season. Um, and they don't have the toughest fixture either. They're ranked 15th of the 18 teams in fixture this year. Maybe it's time for Roulette to bounce back. Someone, being someone who started him last season, I'm not as optimistic. He did get the tag a lot throughout the season which wasn't really spoken of because he was still able to get you know scores in the 80s or 90s, or very low tons occasionally when he was let off the chain for a quarter or two. It just, to me, it feels like last season more than any other players have really, or teams have really taken a liking to tagging the player off of halfback, and Lead really epitomises that, especially with the Adelaide midfield. That, you know, maybe you tag Sloan, but otherwise you, you're not really looking to tag anyone. I think Led copping attention will be you know, something more of
0: the future rather than something of the past. So it's funny because. Led for me was my, I guess, second chosen defender um, behind Zach Williams, uh, if I were choosing two premium uh, defenders, I should say. But it's more to do with, uh, I guess, he's got the round 14 buy, which is a really good buy for defenders, uh, shares it with GWS. And uh, I guess some of the other options um, in that buy rounds, I'm not super keen on starting and it's harder to trade in a player with a round 14 buy, you know, as the... You know, during the buy rounds or later in the season, because you're trading in a player that will have a buy. Obviously, getting players in after their buy in round twelve and thirteen is optimal. So I like to try and start with those round fourteen buy players. Um, and Led not only has a round fourteen buy, but as you said, he's got quite an easy fixture, and he's coming off a season where yes, he went ninety six, but the season before he went one hundred eight. So there's that ceiling that is you know there. Um, obviously he cops attention, he probably will still cop attention, but I feel like 96 for somebody as, I guess, consistent as led and a consistent performer, is. it's kind of at his floor, and I feel like there's definitely upside um, in that selection, so I'm quite high on Lead.
1: Yep, I mean, I personally wouldn't be surprised if he finished uh, probably within two points of that average this year, whether it be 98 or 94, anywhere in between that sort of thing. I just feel like that's, Sort of his range, he's gonna have some average games around the eighty mark where he does get a hard tag. Maybe some games where he gets off the chain. So the sort of player that I could see being significantly cheaper throughout the season after he strings together maybe a couple of eighties in a row drops down to about four fifty. I can see that happening. Whereas you know some of the other players that are priced you know, much lower than him, I can see they have the the sort of higher ceiling that can jump up to his price rather than float down to to the ladder's price. So I don't know, I guess that's one to debate. We'll see in the preseason. Um there aren't usually taggers out in the preseason, but Leg could be in scintillating form early and maybe irresistible. So something to discuss later for sure. Now in pretty much when you go down to the 500 mark, the only real player of note that people are starting in their sides is James Sicily. So um I sort of said last year here that Hawthorne players are pretty much a no-go, especially Hawthorne players that can play multiple positions. One of those positions being really, really super coach unfriendly. James Sisley does fit that mold perfectly. He's priced at 509K, so just for an average of 93. Now, we know he can go higher than that pistol, but will the Clarko shenanigans be out again this year? The answer is we don't know. So what do you think on starting him?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we have to take into account that Patton has come into the Hawks forward line, so I guess you do a little bit of a fist pump thinking, yes, there's an extra forward, so he might you know be forced to play back but one Gunston although he's currently injured they did test him down back at times throughout the season and I still feel like even though Mitchell Lewis is obviously going to play because an absolute jet him and Patton they could still use Sicily as that third forward if they needed to and switch with Gunston I don't think we're completely out of the I guess realm where Sicily is just a never a forward. I, I, I still think at times he will play as a forward and that completely terrifies me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how you can get through the season <laughs> like without anxiety if you pick Sicily because every time you play. You have to watch him for four quarters to make sure that he's playing as a defender otherwise he just automatically becomes like a terrible super coach selection Um, and then on top of that he did play 22 games which is actually rare for all these defenders most of them missed a game um, throughout the season but it's also Sicily and you never expected him to get 22 (laughs) games in the first place exactly Um, so I can see why some people would start him because obviously if he plays as a defender for 22 games he will make a mockery of his price he'll make a mockery of his average But will he play 22 games as a defender? It's really not something we can tell you right now. Um, But JB, I've got one for you that's kind of been... uh, Actually, I haven't really had a chance to look at many teams, but I assume under the radar because he was under radar the entirety of last season. Um, And that's actually Luke Ryan at 520k. Coming off a 96 average in which he averaged 90 the previous year, he scored really well at home throughout the season. And if you look at uh, Fremantle's draw for twenty twenty, they have an absolutely unreal draw, um, like just incredible. So, is he someone that actually should be considered?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind Luke Ryan. I think he, like you said, he's that real under the radar pick, and he's not very, he's not very sexy. I don't think a lot of people sort of pick Luke Ryan he's not not going to score though I mean he actually does have a pretty high ceiling but you don't really associate him with the James sicily like big 140, 150 type scores or you know the the Laird 40 disposals and you know he he sort of just he does really float under the radar I think in the competition as well as just in Supercoach Um, 95 average that can definitely be improved upon Uh, I think he had a a couple of games last season that were affected by injury Um, obviously he only played the 18 games as well with their early run of games, I think they've got the second to last sorry, second best uh fixture run to start the season, maybe the first six or seven rounds there. I it just he feels like someone that if you wanted to go with a with a point of difference, I, I tend to shy away from the midfield point of differences and go for something in the, the forward or defence. Uh, I, I suppose there's less room for error there when, you know, a midfielder could go out and average hundred and twenty that you've missed out on, whereas you know, the defender is really not going to punish you too too bad on the other end. But Luke Ryan, I feel like if you wanted to start a point-of-difference pick, you can't go wrong with him. Despite the potential injury risk that he showed, yeah, he's scoring potentials well well and truly there. And with their run, I think he could definitely
0: go above 95. He, he, he has the potential to go above 100. So I think if we just uh, reflect on last season and what happened to him in the last, I guess, five or so weeks, uh, in, the, in the final week, he... Um, hurt his hammy and then missed the rest of the season so he only um, came off it just after halftime with 48 super coach points but I guess the previous games he started waning a bit in his scores his his final um, four games of the season were 117 which is quite good 88 67 and 62 but a lot of those I remember us talking and it just seemed like Fremantle had kind of given up on the season and he wasn't as committed into the contests because what's the point in you know getting absolutely wrecked um when freemans were losing so badly so uh, yeah I, he it, definitely was a drop off in i guess just intensity um from him throughout the end of the season but i also find it funny how a lot of people are picking tom stewart for his consistency and just completely overlooking luke ryan because luke ryan scores between you know 88 and 100 nearly every week so he's also another player that's super consistent and super under the radar
1: yeah, I tend to agree. And if it wasn't for that hammer, yeah, you're right. He would have had a pretty good and uh, injury-free season. So um, we'll move on. We're getting towards <laughs> a, a slightly cheaper range here. I know why you're laughing already because you can see the man on the horizon. That's Dan Houston, Pistol. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to dilate the waters here with my story. I, I kind of want to hear what you want, what you have to say about Dan Houston <laughs> first, if you don't mind.
0: All right. Well, firstly, I'm laughing. An unbiased at two opinion, please. I, I was laughing. I saw Houston coming up, but it was also. It just hit me. Your last comment was really funny. Like, if he hadn't have got injured, he would have played all the games in the season. I mean, like it, it, the way he ended the season was just. Uh, you you know what I mean? Uh, you, I mean, look, Dan Houston played 21 games, but if he played 22 games, he would have played 22 games. I'm, en- Sorry, I'm ending this squad. I've, l- I've lost it. Um <laughs> wow. so Dan Houston um is a super interesting pick. Uh not because of anything we probably don't know already. I mean I and maybe some people don't know that he moved into the Port Adelaide's midfield. Um I think what was like around 13 or something last season absolutely killed it. I think he averaged 106 once he moved into the, the midfield for Port as well. You probably would know the numbers off the top of your head. And for him, the pick is purely based on role, and we'll know that in the preseason. If he plays as a pure midfielder like how Boke did um, in the preseason last year, then we'll see, okay, well, we should start Dan Houston. He's going to play as a pure midfielder for Port. And if he plays in the back line in the preseason, then you don't pick Dan Houston. Like it, It's almost as simple as that because as a midfielder he's so clean and so good with the ball and he's quite you know i guess relatively cheap as well um he's someone that you just would have to pick if he were to play as a pure midfielder but otherwise um if he doesn't it's a it's a stay away
1: and you're right in saying 106 was his average when he played in the midfield had a high score of 134 a low score of 85 when he was in there pretty consistent, pretty much peppered around 105 to 115, uh, had a few scores in that range. So um, the fact that he played the final five rounds in the midfield when Port desperately needed to win those games is very promising. But as you said, when it, when it comes down to roll this much, you, you can't really put weight on what's happened last season. You're looking purely at what's happening now. And that's, you know, so far in the preseason, we've seen him train a lot with a defensive group, which is concerning, but obviously not a dead giveaway that he's going to be a defender. Um, if we see him line up in the midfield for mo you know, majority of the time in the preseason, I think I can quite comfortably select him in my supercoach side. If he's rebounding off half back again, I still think he'll be a decent player. I think he'll average okay, but he really, really relies on that midfield time to, to you know, smash up into that premium range and be in consideration for our starting squad. So, um, who else are you looking at in that range? Please don't mention I think, his, his teammate.
0: <laughs> he read my mind. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm interested to see why you went there, though, because Darcy Byrne Jones had you know a fantastic supercoach Coach season. Um, essentially, he was flying, and then randomly in round 22, um, he didn't. He played the whole game. He just was terrible. and He scored seven Super Coach points. How and do like, you do that
1: in an entire
0: game, Pistol? Please it it was awful he just wasn't anywhere near the ball at any time for like the entire match which is crazy that you can do that when you're coming off games of 25 possessions and 28 possessions and then the week after you get 29 possessions like it he he, he wasn't injured he was just really bad oh mental yeah so he's pretty much averaged you know 94 95 for the entire season he even after like round 9 um was was really super solid he's a good price um why why don't you like it so the first thing that popped
1: into my head was the score of 7 in uh, round <laughs> 22 that that really really put me off um before that though he did have a strong period i recall he had he had something like 5 out of his 7 games prior to that one were over the 100 mark so obviously that's strong form but to me he just strikes me as a a 60 or ton type of player uh, he's he's either really in the game or he's sort of on the outskirts you know that that type of player that you think of is you know the, the next link in the chain but instead they kicked instead of handballed so he didn't get it type of thing like he can have one of those games where he just pops out a, a 60 or something around that range whereas you know he can, he can also have those big games he doesn't scream consistency to me so having said that i'd need to see him string together a good month of footy where he's getting consistent numbers before I consider him. He's not in consideration
0: for my starting squad. So I feel like, I mean, as with most players, it's based on his possessions. He seemingly got a lot of really high 20s or 30 possession games and then just had amazing super coach scores or he just had sub 20 disposal games. Is there something to do with um, a role or a play style that Port have against different opponents that might lead to that or is it purely just if he was on that on that day or not, I think it's kind of what I said. You know, the the next link in the chain. But instead,
1: they kicked, and you know, you can see him rack up those twenty touches and be in the the perfect spot and get used off halfback more than any other player in our team. Or you could sort of think back and go, oh, did Darcy play that game. Like it was, you know, you barely saw him. He popped up here and there. It could be somewhat game plan related, but you rarely see him locked down on a play. He does play that rebounding work. Well rebounding role as you know, as good as anyone in his very consistent role-wise. It's just in terms of getting the disposals, getting the supercoach score, I just feel like I, if you asked me to bet on it before the game, I wouldn't wouldn't know whether to guess 70 or 110.
0: So someone might say, well, did it coincide with Houston moving into the midfield? And then did he start getting a lot more of the ball? But it doesn't really look like it. He was getting a lot of the ball playing with Houston in the back line. So there doesn't really seem to be a massive rhyme or reason as to why he was getting those scores. Uh, do you happen to remember if he if he was on kickouts though, JB?
1: I don't think so. Definitely not exclusively. I think Port were very, very uh, fruitful with their kickouts. It was sort of first in, best dress type of thing, and that's that's why Houston wasn't really on my radar prior as a pure rebounding defender because I didn't think he had the full range of the kickouts either. I don't th- I didn't think anyone did really. So. No, I don't. I wouldn't say he was getting many possessions from kickouts, which is kind of promising because it shows more upside if he does eventually get a hold of them. But for me, it just it's too much risk to, especially with your starting squad, to be starting a player who you know full well could in the first month be averaging eighty and not doing anything for you. It's just not not something that I'm looking to you know start off with me.
0: So I think we have to go into the next, I guess, next form on play, player of the month, um, Jordan Dawson. Um, you've had him in your Dr. Supercoach Keeper League for a while now so you keep a close eye on him so I'm, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts I've put mine out on Twitter and I might uh, explain it again but I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say about him
1: okay so disclaimer I think he is a great player very versatile he can go pretty much anywhere in the ground and genuinely anywhere I, I wouldn't want to see him taking too many ruck contests but <laughs> he played one-on-one defensive roles. He played one-on-one forward roles. He was, you know, the leading player out of the forward line at times. He was on a wing. He was half back. He was half forward. He was in the midfield, in the guts. He pretty much did every single thing last year. And you know, I watched him extremely, extremely closely. I think I picked him up around round five or round six when he had a score of 104, backed up by 99. He followed those up with a 64 and a 69 in the next two rounds. And watching the games, if if I was Judging what he would have scored off Supercoach purely from watching and not like checking the stats or the Supercoach scores, I would have guessed those were both tons. Like he's the sort of impact player that is. You you know that he's on the field. Like he's he's really doing everything he can in the given position that he's in. Having said that, he did score a 64 and a 69, and later on a 78, a 64, a 66, 78. You know these are spread throughout decent scores of 100. 420, 105. So there's these, for some reason, these small scores in between these big scores. And for that reason alone, I wouldn't start him as a forward, as a defender, as anything this year because he's a kid and he's going to play a lot of roles and they know he can play a lot of roles, kind of like Elliot Yo a few years ago before he really exploded. I think Jordan Dawson is one for the future, but not
0: one for the the right now. I will say, does it seem like people think he's cheaper than he is because he's 467k it's that's not cheap that's not somewhere where you would want to take a punt right correct so i mean people are picking him obviously expecting him to improve uh, i guess to be a top six forward i would say um not maybe not a top six defender Um, however i think we just need to look at it for a second his first two games of the season last year were, were very poor with a, a 41 um, and a 54 so they were easily his worst games of the season so even if you don't include those two um, his average becomes 90 so yes he's gone from 86 to 90 90 is okay it's not you know a world beater when he moved into the back line and he started taking kickouts and he looks really good taking some of Jake Lloyd's ball um, and he had some nice scores there he only averaged 94 from that point onwards that's not amazing like 94 is fine it's definitely not going to be a top five top six you know defender not worth picking him. it might make it for the forward line probably board line but i feel like if you're still paying 470k for someone that's going to average 94 95 that's not great value there will be somebody that's averaging 100 throughout the season that drops down to that price i think caleb daniel who averaged 100, got to 466 last season. I think that's the price I picked him up at. Um, and he was averaging 100. So throughout the year, you're probably going to get better value players. I mean, the DPP is appealing. Obviously, defensive forward is is really great. Um, and I should say, as I had said on my Twitter, I do think that he's like a fine selection. I, I think it's great, but he's in a lot of teams. And when you start seeing every single team with Jordan Dawson, um, the risk-reward kind of goes not in your favor anymore of selecting him. You'd rather bet against him than bet with him because there's so many people taking this risk on somebody that the reward isn't that high that it becomes even I guess better the the reward for him doing badly is even greater um, so for me at the moment it might be a bit of Twitter bias I'll have to wait until it, the game fully launches and we see how many people um, have actually selected him going into round one uh, where it might if, you know, if it's 20, 30, 40% of players uh, I feel like not choosing him is a better reward and him doing poorly is a better risk reward situation than actually selecting him and hoping he does well And the
1: thing is, people that are selecting him saying, you know, he's going to take over that Jake Lloyd rebounding out of defense. When I say he played everywhere last year, he played everywhere and at all times. Round 22, he was a half forward. And he kicked two goals, two stunning goals. Like, he has got incredible talent, trust me. But he was playing half forward. That's around 22. That was after he showed that he was a really good half backman. And then, you know, just two rounds prior to that against, uh, I think it was Geelong. Geelong, yeah, he was pacing up and down the wing. So he was a wingman against Geelong. Like, that's not forward or back. He just plays every role in a multitude of games. If you're concerned about Sicily playing forward, there's much more chance of Dawson playing forward. And as good as he is up forward, he's a very strong mark, will kick goals. He's not going to average 100 as a pure forward. There's just no chance. So those games that he plays forward, it'll drag him down a bit. Those games that he plays on the wing, that he'll probably prop him up a little bit. And in defense, we know he's excellent. But it's just too much risk to take for me. Like... Unless he's glued into that half-back line and, you know, round eight, he's averaging 99 and, you know, the last few rounds are pretty hot. Like, you know, then I'll jump on him. But to start the season, I just... I can't imagine a team with him in it to start my season.
0: All right, so talking about risk, I'm going to ask you about two... Actually, I'll ask you about one player first. um, And that's Doherty. He's 436k. Uh, I think a common question we get is just, sell me on Doherty. So, JB, I just going to ask you sell me on Doherty
1: okay so everything we just said about Jordan Dawson's price range and average and ceiling and potential and risk reward all that is almost the exact opposite with Doherty (laughs) he's only 430k he's shown in the past he can average 110 115 plus 120 plus as, as a defender the the chart like he could fail. There's every chance his two ACLs have taken you know, a pace away from him or he plays a different role, averages 80, and we trade him out. There's every chance that happens. There's also every chance that he averages 110-plus pistol. And I don't know about you, but I'm not missing out on 110-plus just because I thought there was an equal chance that he averages 80. He, for his price and for his upside, he is the best value-for-money pick, I think, this season.
0: I, I definitely agree with you um, on this one. Doherty, his scoring, especially you know in 2017, where he averaged 114. For he, his lowest score was 93 until round 19, and he played every match. 93 as a defender. That's absolutely insane, and I should say there was only two sub tons as well. So he went, he was massive, and his highs are high. He had a 149, a 145, a 153, a 142, and he has something that is really hard to um, learn, and that's just being a ball magnet. There's players like Matt Crouch, Brad Crouch, Tom Mitchell, um, Neil no matter where they are, they always just rack up the ball. It didn't really matter what position Tom Mitchell played at the Swans in what sort of game time. He just racked yeah. up the ball. And Doherty has that same special ability that really doesn't matter what he's doing. He's just going to rack up the ball and he uses the ball well. And I don't think a broken knee twice over is going to affect you know how well he kicks the ball. Um, people might say, well, there's, now we've got Nick Newman um, in that halfback slot. Sam Doherty scored this well playing alongside kate simpson who averaged also like 100 during that time period so they're both able to score really well together and sam zocchi has spent two years now in the carlton box learning the strategy becoming a leader of the carlton football club They're still a young backline and they're going to be looking to him to guide the backline and you know what happens when you're that you get the ball in your hands. You, you pass it to the leader. You know it's going to hit a target. You know that's where you want the ball to be. It's going to go to Doherty. At 430k, I would really be shocked if he averaged anything less than 90. I would be super shocked. And Do you think yes, he takes take the kickouts? He, he might also take the kickouts. I'm not even sure. And that's... that's You know, I, he probably does take the kickouts. We haven't even seen a Doherty year with him taking these extra kickouts as points. Like, it's. There's so much upside to Doherty, like an insane amount of upside. Whereas if he is injured and they say, yeah, his knee's not great and he's not going to be fit for round one, then you just don't pick Sam Doherty. It's as simple as if he's fit. And this goes for a lot of players, but this one in particular, if he's fit for round one, you pick Doherty. If he's not fit for round one, you don't pick Doherty. Like, that's it. It's as simple as that. And there's pretty much no other way where i can see that why he would be a bad pick I agree <laughs> sorry that, that was a very passionate plea Risk, um, risky pick number two risky pick number two falls down to connor um, i wasn't going to go there i was actually really? going to go with hunter clark but wow. we, we can go to we can go to connor if you would like to
1: i've seen him in a few teams just as that potential Average 91 back-to-back years prior to the year just gone with his injuries. Um, obviously, he's not played more than 17 games um, Other years. He had 15, 14, 13, and just the one uh, the year before that. So, obviously, has that huge durability issue. Um, last year, he had two Supercoach Tons, but with a full preseason, is there a chance that Blakely is that premium defender? And if so, if there is even a chance of that, is how about a buy could he be
0: at 411k? Again, this one is purely to do with role. Like, if he plays in the preseason with Fife in the side and plays purely as, you know, that second tough on baller, then, yeah, he can be a great pick. Um, And I think he would be a really good pick if that's the case. I just really don't think that will be the case. So, for me, it's a pass. His injury history is shocking. He just doesn't play full seasons at all. And his, you know just doesn't justify, like his ceiling doesn't really justify the risk um, if he's playing off the halfback. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely watch him in the preseason. It's not, it's definitely not a no. If he's right in that as an inside bull, um, he comes roaring back into contention. But uh, for now, he's not going to be in at least a, a draft side of mine.
1: Fair enough. So you wanted to speak about Hunter Clark. Did you want to take the reins on this one?
0: I... I am a Hunter Clark fan. Um, I had him in our Keeper League. I picked him up really early as well, so um, fortunately I was able to watch him, or maybe unfortunately, because then I had to watch St. Kilda games. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But look, he moved to the half-back line. Obviously, that's why his defender status, uh, so there's nothing, I guess, new there. Um, He had this really good streak of games where he was just putting up um, numbers where he averaged in the mid-80s i guess the problem for me is that he's still so young and when he played in the midfield his scores didn't seem to like improve drastically he still played in the midfield and scored you know like in the 50s and the 60s so i don't really want to select somebody in my back line that yeah they might get midfield time but they also still might score in the 50s and 60s um I think he's still a year or two out from becoming like a genuine super coach option. Um, I would be shocked if he suddenly had this breakout and started dominating in the midfield when the Saints just got Brad Hill and you know supporting I guess midfield characters in Zach Jones, Sinclair um, <laughs> St. side starring Jack, Zach Jones. Um, <laughs> so it it would it would be a little bit strange um, if this now was a, a breakout season for him. Uh, I think at 400k he's a little bit too pricey. Uh, for me to to take a punt on him
1: fair enough I tend to agree I didn't have that sort of draw to him from last, looking at last season's stats he had three good scores over 100 um, a couple of scores that sort of peppered 100 and a lot of low scores so could very well be the same this year until he breaks out in the next couple of years so I tend to agree very risky um, we'll quickly go over a we'll go over two or three of the really really cheap picks out of court Meyer. firstly uh Dylan robertson is that just the case of if he's playing round one and showed any sort of indication during the JLT that he's not going to be the full like tall lockdown defender is he just in your team at 260k as someone who could
0: potentially average 80 plus Actually, I'm really scared of the Robertson pick. He's, he's in my side, but I'm really scared that he just plays as a lockdown defender because he won't score well. Like He needs to be playing as that half-back running defender, which he's good at, um, to be able to score well. I wonder what will happen with the new kickout rule. Obviously, Savage has had a monopoly on those kickouts. I wonder if Robbo gets to snag a couple of them. Um, it will be interesting. But as you said, 260 k is so cheap. You know, it's just a bit more than a rookie for somebody that could average ninety in an ideal world. Um, if if Hunter Clark moves into the midfield, then Robertson might be you know move into I guess the Hunter Clark role or something like that. Um, so for me, I am on Robertson, but I am terrified and will definitely be watching him closely in the preseason.
1: I think Robertson's the type of player that I I want to see play as a tool. All through JLT, just so I don't have to select him. I'm also <laughs> frightened. Um, slightly more expensive is Tom Dude coming off of an ACL. Uh, is this a if fit, let's pick type of situation as well? Uh, even, I mean, I, I don't think his role is really up in the air. He does one thing really well. They just lost Alex Keith, who did that one thing really well in the 12 months that Dude didn't do that one thing
0: really well. And I assume he'll go back to doing that one thing really well, and that's intercept defending. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't pick. Tom Duday he's going to play as an intercept marking defender he's one thing that he does really well those types of players score really well he's in an Adelaide side that yes they have an easy draw but also they're going to concede a lot of inside 50s because they're not that good of a side in which case he's going to have more opportunities to have these intercept marking um, contests so there's just going to be lots of points for Duday even if he averages 80, which is less than his rookie season, he's still going to make 100k. So as a mid-pricer, as a cash cow, he's definitely doing his job and he has potential to be somebody that you hold all the way up to the buy because, again, Adelaide have the round 14 buy, which is perfect for you to upgrade they to somebody that's had their buy in round 12 or 13. It really is too good to be true. And uh, yeah, just pick him. No, you've sold me. Just like that,
1: you've sold me. He was in my team already, but now he's definitely not moving. So um, We've gone for 30-odd minutes. Should we maybe just do forward line and then save the rucks in the midfield for another podcast?
0: Well, if we're going to do that, I'm just going to shout out two random names for you to talk about in the back line before we move on. Yep, And that would be Grant Birchall at 292k. Oh my
1: God. Is he still <laughs> in the league? I know he's at Brisbane, but my, how many years are we going to start Grant Birchall until we realize he's not
0: named in round one and and not named up until round 23? Good. I just wanted someone to say it so that I didn't have to see any sides with Birchall in my side, in, in <laughs> their side, not in my side. Um, and another player I wanted to talk about because I find it really interesting um, how divided uh, people are on this, but Stephen Hill, 190k forward defender, uh, lay on me your thoughts.
1: I don't understand why we would not pick Hill if he's fit round one. It's like Duda, but he uh, he hasn't quite had that scoring potency as Duda's rookie career, and it's sort of Stephen Hill's been very up and down. But he's 190k. We don't need him to average 90. We need him to average anywhere around the seventy-plus mark, and and we're laughing. It's free money, and if he's fit, then he could absolutely average more than seventy. But it's all we need. All we need is seventy. That's, I, I think he's very well capable of that. So, if he lines up round one, plays a JLT
0: game, I couldn't imagine a starting squad without him. It's funny. It's like almost the same as Doherty. It's like if he is named for round one, you pick him. And if he's not named for round one, you don't pick him. So you may as well just make a side with him in it, assuming he's fit. And if he's not, just replace him with a rookie and you'll have some extra cash in your bank before round one and you're all fine to go. I mean, we're talking about a guy that almost exclusively averages above 80. So he's not really going to suddenly just average 55 for the year and not make you any money. Like, if he plays, he's going to make you money. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured in round two. But if they play him in round one, they're doing so not expecting him to be under an injury cloud. Otherwise, they'll wait for him to be fit again. Like, he he just genuinely scores really well. Plus, what I like about him is that he has a really high ceiling. And you can if you get one really high score at that price you spike a really large cash increase. You know, he's a type of player that can get 25 to 30 possessions, score 120, 130 supercoach points, and then, you know, he rockets up 80K across, you know, a fortnight. And you're almost at a point where you're able to then just trade him out. So there's very little downside in the selection as long as he is playing round one. Plus, he has DPP, JB. So what more do you want? I think it's that time of
1: super coach cycle where everyone makes their teams they get in as many big premiums as they can they go oh i'm I'm only you know 60k away from getting this premium as well who can i cut Stephen hill 190k i'll I'll drop him to a rookie and they're penny pinch and they're penny pinch and then as the preseason goes along they realize they're going to need these players so now they're downgrading all their premiums trying to get these guys back in just start them in your squad. It's easier to find you spend the cash than it is to find it when when you've you've found a team that you enjoy. If Stephen Hill's not fit for round one, you've got an extra seventy k to look for, like you know go and spend. If he is fit, then you're gonna have to find that money, and you know it applies to a lot of things, I suppose, especially with expensive rookies. If if you're cheaping out at the moment, if they become essential, you're gonna find it far more difficult than I am. If if he becomes non-essential,
0: and I guess the the weirdest thing for me is that Hayden Young, I see in like everyone's side he's a rookie that just got drafted, um, you know, very highly and he's very highly rated and I'm sure he's fantastic, but he's 180K, Stephen Hill's 190K, like why wouldn't you get the guy that's got DPP and is more proven than the kid who, Crazy. you know, it, it just, I, I don't really understand what's up with that. Um... Anyway, we probably won't talk much about the kids. Uh, I think Will Gould at 117K for Sydney is pretty much you know, ready-made D6 for your supercoach sides, but outside that, we probably should wait for the JLT to... Yep. Sorry, it's not called the JLT anymore. Uh, the pre-season I've called competition. it that as well the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, just just <laughs>
1: lastly on the whole like penny-pinching thing, people that start these rookies that obviously are just placeholders at the moment, I, I think they forget how bad the rookie situations have been in especially in the last few years i think we've been blessed a little bit especially last year was a pretty decent rookie pool for what we ended up with but it so quickly flips and we could be scrounging money for you know more and more expensive rookies when you've got someone like stephen hill there absolutely is just the most startable player pretty much in supercoach it's it's crazy to me but we'll move forward to the forward line and I'm going to start us off, Pistol. I have two of the top three forwards from last season in my squad, and they have not moved. And I don't see them moving in the near future.
0: You and everyone else, right? So I assume you're, you're talking about Lockie, and, Whitfield, and Walters. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> uh, Whitfield and Dusty, they are just the... I feel like they're the lowest risk picks that we've seen in a long time. Both of them are guaranteed, unless they're injured heavily injured are guaranteed to be top six probably top four probably top three maybe top two of their line and they're not even that expensive i know 600k you know that's that's real premium status but lucky whitfield he had some issues last year and had some low scores that i think he can rectify and and just i think his ceiling is higher than what he even did last year and Dusty only averaged 100. He can definitely improve upon that. People were starting him last year at a price of 115 average, let alone 100. So I think these guys are just the two... If you
0: open Supercoach today for the first time, you'd pick those two first and second almost. So I'm going to ask you a question that I have some thoughts about already. For those that say Whitfield is 600k he's the most expensive he's going to be he's definitely going to get to 500k for example um what would you say to those people
1: i somewhat agree i I think you he's he's not the most expensive he'll be i think we'll see him higher than 604 for during the season but he'll definitely be cheaper than what he is right now but when and if it's if you say it's round three or four or five how are you getting the money to trade him in round three or four or five what if he scores you know 105 105 he's going to drop money Uh, even a a 90 after those two 105s he's going to drop 20 30k and then what if he backs it up with 240s you know he's almost getting back up to that price range you couldn't trade him in round three anyway because you don't have the money or the upgrades it's how many points are you going to leak waiting to trade him in when he's going to be a good five or six points better than the next best forward for the whole season unless dusty goes vintage dusty in which case I have him too
0: (laughs) It's it's tough because... Well, I mean, it's not tough for me, but I, I guess it's tough to explain because I, I think they... People he nearly averaged 20 him, more than Heaney last season. People that aren't starting him already know this, right? They know that he averaged 111 and it sounds like ridiculous not to start him. Um, but they think, well, he can't possibly average that much again. But why not? GWS have an easy draw to start the year. Um, even if he drops to 105 and you consider that poor value. Like... It's so hard to get these players in during the season. Just, like, save yourself a headache and start the guy. I mean, what, what you, are you going to be upset if he averages 105 and you paid 600K for him? Probably not because he's going to be the number one forward still. So, um, yeah, I just think that it's one of those things that if you don't do it, you'll probably end up regretting it because you just won't find the trades. And, JB, the main thing... Um, that I wanted to say was, guess what buy he has?
1: Oh, the same one that Zach Williams has that you mentioned in the defense?
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh, excellent. Round 14, which means as you approach the buy and you're trying to trade in players, um, it just gets really awkward. Like, I guess you trade in the round 14 players and you hope that... um, I mean, it depends how late you leave it. If you're round seven, eight, nine, you're probably trading around fourteen players. But as you get to round eleven, twelve, or whatever, you might just hold for a week. And you're like, "Oh, I want to get around twelve player. I want to get around thirteen player." And it's like round fourteen players are super awkward. Um, All right the while, the still putting
1: out hundred and twenties every week.
0: Yeah, it's just it becomes a little bit of a mess. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know why we're talking this much about Lucky Whitfield. Like, obviously, he's the number one forward. Like. pretty much just summarise would you be surprised if he
1: averaged 120 next year genuinely surprised
0: I wouldn't be genuinely surprised I think that would be a lot for him you reckon you you don't think he's capable of averaging 120 that would shock you I think just in a side where they've got to split up parts of their pie with like Kelly and Canelio even Ward's coming back Taranto they've zach williams you know he's going 150 because i've selected him so there's just so many good players that i find i think it would be hard for him to go 120 plus but i
1: I think he's in their top two or three worst at worst he's in their top two or three especially with the role he plays if he goes without a tag you know more than once every three or four weeks then i think he's very capable i'd be surprised if he didn't average 115 this year 115 yeah i'd be surprised all right zach williams mark two
0: wow that's that's a big call but all right we'll uh i guess we'll take it um so i wanted to quickly talk about something that i have been quite high on um and haven't really seen it throughout anybody's side um and that is isaac heaney he was uh one of my first selected... It's hard. I can't say like first selected forwards because obviously I picked Whitfield and Dustin Martin. I don't know. So you, sound, you seem like you like Heaney a lot. I do like Heaney a lot. Um, he was my third selected forward. Um, I actually love the pick so much because people hate him so much for what he did last season. And they're not selecting him because they're thinking, "Ah, oh, he let me down. He was terrible. It was a roller coaster. I hated it. But the guy played 22 games... And then averaged 94. Like, that's fine. He, he was ended up being a top, you know, couple forward. Um, definitely worth it still at the beginning. You paid ninety seven, an average of 97 for him. He averaged 94, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yes, he drove you nuts randomly on certain weeks, but overall for total points, like, it was perfectly fine. Um, so now no one's selecting him. I feel like Buddy's back. They might have a bit more, you know, they've got Blakey's up and coming. He's 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 obviously good. Zach Jones is gone, so maybe Heaney gets a little bit more mid-time. I think there's room to move for Heaney, and I definitely think that he could average 100 this year. The guy's so talented. One of these years, he's going to absolutely explode. I'm hoping that it's this year, and no one's picking him, JB.
1: Yeah, and if someone came to me and said, I'm not picking Isaac Heaney because he had runs of games where he at one point last year he, three weeks 74 68 64 and then you know he turned up but then had 82 75 and you know had three tons to finish the season before he got 78 and 54 in the last two rounds and I'd be like okay okay I, I get it I know why you're not selecting him I understand uh, you can you've justified it I have no hatred towards that non-selection whatsoever and then on the other hand you say what you just said and you know could Sydney be much worse they've got buddy coming back they've got a a kid who averaged 97, 97, 94 in his last three years and he's still pretty much a child um, and said, I'm going to start him for those reasons and, you know, Sydney have a a pretty easy run as well. Again, I can completely justify it. So, I mean, he's not one that I'll be starting because I think I'm just going to go with the two premium forwards but I 100% if I was picking a third premium forward he'd be... He'd literally be at the top of my list. I would, I'd have him in my side as well.
0: So I've got two points that I still want to talk still about. I guess Sydney Swans, but more specifically Isaac Heaney. Um For those unaware of the Swans' draw, like it, it, it's very good to start the season. Um, they play Adelaide in round one, Essendon in round two. They play... Um, it's somewhat crappy that I can't find at the moment in round three. <laughs> uh, it's Gold Coast, so I actually don't think I offended anyone because... I don't think there's <laughs> any yeah, Gold Coast fans anyway Then they play Carlton in round 4 Who would be a good one to play in round 5 JB now, after we've gone through all these sides uh, Probably not GW I probably think That's who they wouldn't. play anyway ah. Damn, fine Anyway, um, the first first month is solid um, by any stretch of the imagination and Heaney's scores last year where he went big, I'm talking his 130s um, he played Carlton. He played Melbourne, who were not very good. Essendon at that time was not very good. He scored 116 against North Melbourne, um, 117 against the Gold Coast. So these are his biggest scores for the year um, until round 20, where he just randomly scored very well against GWS. Uh, did kick four goals. And then Port Adelaide, who are terrible, as we know, JB, um, where he scored 116. All of his big scores were against the crappy sides. It was very predictable. I mean, sometimes he scored badly against good sides, um, but when he scored well, it was almost entirely against bad sides. So if he has an easy run to the season, then that's start to the season, then that's the games that I want him for.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've sold it. Like I said, if I had a third premium forward, I might do before round one. He would be top of the list, um, I can yeah completely justify. I think he's probably got the most upside out of the players around that range. You know, we're talking to Toby Greens, the Michael Walters. I think he's, if you're going to say, if you're going to pick anyone to average poorly out of those three, it just wouldn't be Heaney. He, he just averages 95 and, and that's it, worst case scenario, and he will break out one year. There's no doubt about it. He's not going to continue being this sort of player where he has... Those really quiet games and really big games. Occasion one day he'll just put it together and he'll have you know two months straight of good games and you know that'll be him. So yeah, I think you sold me. You probably sold a few other people out there. Um, I can I don't have any issue against starting Isaac Isaacini.
0: It's funny um, though that you just mentioned Toby Green and when I mentioned all of those top scoring uh, GWS players, I didn't even mention Toby Green. I didn't mention Jeremy Cameron who averaged ninety three as well. Like have so many good scoring players and. We mentioned them having a side of you know wards coming back, and their full fitness hopper has to take it to the next level because he's too good not to. Toby Green's not going to play in the midfield, right? Like it's just, they don't have enough spots. I said this last, pretty much at the end of the last season, that
1: I'd feel silly if I didn't select Toby Green this year, it, despite his poor season last year. He still averaged ninety four in in the sixteen matches that he played. Um, he. Pretty much... And in the finals, he was even better. Uh, he had an amazing final series as well. Tore up every single game. But as you list all those players returning, you're 100% correct. And they will have injuries. He will play in the midfield during the season. But if it's not every game, then I just see him going around that 90 mark again. He, he just doesn't have that upside unless he's playing in the midfield.
0: Yeah, I mean, that midfield completely saved his season. It's not like he was averaging super well you know, before he got to play in the midfield. He was literally i think it was averaging like 76 or 75 it was that bad yeah. and then the he just went bang with these like bunches of 130s where he dominated in the midfield um and looks unbelievable but he's not going to get that role um unless super strange things happen and you know everyone gets injured for gws which actually isn't super strange it's not hindsight <laughs> it's, <very laughs> it's probably realistic. likely uh, who do you like next in the uh, forwards? So I think the main thing with the forward line is you have these really
1: high-end premiums like Dusty and Whitfield, and it's the reason they're going to be so highly selected this year. And then you have a couple of speculative picks like Toby Green and Isaac Heaney, who we just suggested. And then it's a real drop-off before you get to the types of players that we'll discuss next, and that's Buddy Franklin. Um, I'm seeing Andrew Brayshaw spoken about a lot. Don't worry, I'll ask you about these individually. Um, and then you've got like the the... Uh, jack stevens of the world and and players like that so we'll start with buddy franklin and he's quite the drop off from the player that we just discussed he's a couple of hundred k cheaper um or closer to 150k cheaper but he averaged 72 last year from his 10 matches as we're seeing in the preseason, it's you'd have to be living under a rock if you haven't seen all these reports about buddy coming back being full strength the best he's looked on the track in years Um, pretty much insert any article about any player who has come back from an injured season and and put it in here about Buddy what are your thoughts because I personally just to make this clear I don't want to start Buddy and I know the temptations (laughs) and it's incredibly difficult because you know how good he is but I don't want to start him at his age with his most recent injury history and his up and down scoring nature and the fact that Sydney aren't as good as they used to be I do not want to start Buddy under any circumstance um, what would make you
0: start Buddy? I love Buddy, I, I don't know why I always seem to have Buddy in my side and then I, I say I don't know why and then I look at his super coach history and I know exactly why I always pick Buddy <laughs> oh, no. it's because he always scores really well <laughs> he, he's low in the last decade like, since... I mean, not including last year, obviously. But since 2007, so longer than a decade for those that can math, it's 87. Like, 87 is his lowest average. Is that average. his age? <laughs> yeah, almost. If Buddy plays, and and he's not, you know, if he's cl- when he's fit, you know, Buddy scores. Like, Buddy plays, Buddy scores goals. How many Buddy scores How many? Goals. Buddy scores What's runs. the
1: over-under on fit games that you're going to get from Buddy this year? See... If this I said where, 12, would you go over or under?
0: I'd say over 12, but I'm not confident. <laughs> See? How, like, how bad is that? You, I mean, keep selling Look, me, but sorry, I had to interject there. I, I'm going to throw out something that is probably not what anyone is thinking. Um, something that I've been thinking about. Uh, should we call it the Travis Cloak strategy? Because of what's happened. If you're trying to sell us to start Buddy, then please don't call it that. (laughs) So, Buddy has an easy draw to start the year, as I have mentioned. He's 394K. I think he is capable of making 100K and scoring well. Um, And I think he's very capable of losing that money equally as quickly. Um, I would not be against someone taking a calculated risk of starting Buddy and trading him out at peak price maybe to Whitfield if he's dropped away by round three and four and we said it wasn't possible Um, I think it could be viable to start Buddy and sell high as a cash cow rather than as a season keeper or if he's just like playing like old school Buddy where he's just dominating uh, then obviously you can keep him as well Um, the temptation is there for me he's currently not on my side because I have Heaney and I've just gone on about how much I love Heaney so now I feel like I'm stuck with him for the rest of the preseason um but i can see a lot of appeal in buddy when he looks so damn good like i mean physically as well as how <laughs> i don't know how i'm going to get out of this one physically wow, how they're saying he no looks as fit, so much. <laughs> as fit as he's ever been um you know and he, he generally does look like he's in tip top shape i can't get out of this jb um so <laughs> <laughs> he, i don't think you want he plays, to get out of
1: it to be honest you keep repeating it
0: it's true i mean it's i love buddy but yeah he if he lines up in preseason and he looks like the buddy of old like the world beater that he actually is it's going to be super hard for me not to want to select him in my side Oof, knowing that, that i, I probably have well. a bailout if he i think that he'll still make money even if he you know crashes and burns i I don't know it there's something going on there in my brain and i kind of want it i kind of don't do
1: this to yourself please pistol and listeners please (laughs) please (laughs) that best case scenario is he somehow winds back the clock and has the best first five rounds that he's had in four years and averages 100 and makes you a quick 70 80k but there's every single chance in the world that he either gets injured in the first two rounds and you're stuck or he scores 70 70 70 110 60, 70, like it's he, he, just not there it's not it like i understand the reminiscence part of it but go start ugly if you that like if you want to live in the past <laughs> that much like it's just it's just not Buddy's year, trust it like it's just not please maybe call we it. should
0: call it the jared Waite theory and we'll just yes. um, call it anything <laughs> but Travis quote theory. Jared, I mean, like, didn't he average? He averaged like 120 for like five games. He made yeah, see, so man, much it, money.
1: That is your actual it best case so scenario, money. and that's, just,
0: that's a good best case
1: scenario. It's great, but it's the likelihood of happening is just unbelievably small, unbelievably small.
0: But it's more fun to take risk if buddy is involved than taking a risk where buddy isn't involved. I'm not sure
1: about the science behind that,
0: but I'll, I'll back you in there.
1: <laughs> Honestly, so, I just—it's why I don't want to start him. I genuinely don't want to get sucked into it because the 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 medium slash downside of starting Buddy is just so bad. I mean, honestly, look at the look at the options underneath Buddy. If he gets injured before he changes in price, even if he does start well, say he has a hundred and ten and a hundred and thirty
0: before he gets injured, who are you trading to? Uh, it looks like the person under him is Brody Mayochek, so I guess I'm going there. <laughs> I mean, like, no, I'm kidding. You, you we're, could go. We're you to could go with options, uh, but, like, Tom J Lynch, Tom McDonald. We could go oh with Brayshaw, uh, uh, Jack Rewalt. Um, I don't want any I'm of those guys. I'm just scrolling. Oh, through here. Uh, Jack Stephen, not Stevens. Um, we could go with old mates, um, Dev Smith. You know, oh, J- Jonathan it just, Patton. <laughs> it, it, hurt, it hurts. Josh me. Kennedy. No, please stop. Stop naming names. All right. We'll end. Uh, end the on. buddy discussion? All right. We'll, we'll talk no, no, we'll after I, I was going to say, school.
1: though... If he kicks you, 10 goals in the preseason, we'll talk then.
0: But, like, have you owned Buddy and then when he kicks a goal, you get to yell, Buddy, and you just... It's the best feeling. Anyway. Oh, oh
1: it's, it's Buddy amazing. I, I love it as well. And he's a specimen of a person. I will happily... I won't even try and get out of it. He's very good looking bloke but I just do not want to I'll admire just him from afar calm year.
0: down calm down JP. if can, he starts let's... with
1: anything more than 10% ownership I'll be counting up my 50k already
0: Jesus. All right. I'm going to ask you, though, about someone a little bit more expensive because we've glossed over it and I feel like that's undeserved. Um, There's actually two players, but one of them is Hugh Greenwood. Uh, He's 463K. Obviously, he's moved to Gold Coast for more midfield time. Um, Average 85 last season. Tell me your thoughts on him. Okay. Yeah, I guess
1: I did gloss over here. Um you say it's gloss just, over Hugh because that was pretty
0: that was pretty good.
1: <laughs> unintentionally, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh he's just It's sort of hard to put in words without insulting him. He's a good player, trust me. He he's a very good player, good midfielder, very good when he goes up forward. He can offer Gold Coast especially a lot. Um he'll make them a better team. He's a good player. But he is he a good <laughs> super coach player for us i mean even even though he's forward, i think that the only reason he's even slightly in consideration is the fact that he's got forward eligibility but he's never averaged more than 82 which was his last year before last 2018 um he played all 22 games then he did get a good sorry 85 yeah i was like what the hell are you talking about (laughs) for some reason i was on dream team um and he played all 22 games there. He was getting a fair chunk of midfield time as well then. And I just... Even though it's Gold Coast and, he, you know, there's the whole... Yeah, he can score more points. There's more points on offer. I just think 85 is about who he is. I think that's where he's at. And it's actually funny because he averaged 84 in the first year, 85 in the second, and 85 in the third. So that really quite literally is who he is. But I just don't see the 10-point improvement that makes him, you know, that top six forward he's priced at 463k it's you know it's like the Jordan Dawson pick that we were talking about earlier you're picking them to be uber premium top 6 in their line and i don't think he's the least capable of doing so but i don't think he's likely to do so either and he's just as likely to average that same 85 that he's done for you know years and years i'd rather start you know Jack Stephen for 150k less and you know have someone that is going up to Hughes' price, not, you know, dropping or, or wavering.
0: So I think for me, um, as you said, when you said that he's an 85-point player and that's just who he is, if we look into that a little bit more, he's a 17-possession player that tackles well and that's how he gets his points. He's not a ball magnet. I mean, across his first three years, he's averaged 17 possessions each time. He's averaged seven tackles, or well, six or seven tackles each time. Um, and that is, you know, he's a contested. He's got. Um, he's, I think he's got the highest contested ball winning rate in the AFL. He tackles hard. He's obviously like a defensive midfielder. Um, that I guess he can hit the scoreboard as well. But he, he's more somebody that, if you look at his role, and then you look at, I don't know Prestia, who's also kind of like a defensive midfielder ish. Um, Prestia gets a lot more uncontested possessions and that's how he you know, boosts up his supercoach score. For me, hearing Hugh Greenwood is a contested beast, I, I like that if it's in combination with winning a lot of the ball, because then you're getting more of the ball. The fact that he has such a high contested ball-winning rate just shows me he doesn't have an outside game. And then he's not getting those cheap points. He's, he's just getting 85 points every single time, and he can't get those cheap points to get up you know those extra 20 points per game. He's, he's not looking. He's not hunting the ball. He's not that. When we were talking about those naturally gifted accumulators um, earlier in the podcast... He's not that. He can't find the ball. Like, he has to hunt the ball and win it. He just doesn't have it on a string. That's not the type of player he is. So, I don't really see him going out to Gold Coast and just suddenly having this massive outside game where he's able to get 30 possessions, you know, five weeks in a row and, you know, be able to take his game to 100 plus average. Like, at best, he's going to, what, average 20 touches? Like, that's, that's actually a big increase for him. You know, we're talking, you know, a 20% ish increase. On his possessions, um, which would be a great um, thing for him. But we're talking then going from an 85 average to probably a 90 average. And I, I feel like the value that you're paying at 463, I'd rather wait and see on Hugh um, than tr- pick him and hope that he goes 100. Because I feel like that's there's very slim chance there of that happening. Yep. I agree. I think, yeah,
1: even if you're looking at a 95, 90 ish average, I just don't think it's likely. That he that he goes above and beyond and, and you know breaks into that top six and you know he's not going to make that much money on his current price that you know makes you regret not starting him
0: anyway. So yeah, that, there's there's definitely yeah I think even even players that are similar to his price I would rather have you know than him. Um, Jordan Dawson. I, I generally would much 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 prefer Jordan Dawson. Like I don't even think it's close. I would easily pick Jordan Dawson over I would pick Q Greenwood. And yeah, that was coming after, you know, everything. I've even I'd even pick Tom T. Lynch, um, from Adelaide yes. with their draw above Greenwood. I'd probably pick Tom J. Lynch. I'd pick all the oh, Tom right. Lynches, you know. That's... Stop naming Lynch's, please. Uh, let's talk about Robbie Gray. Um he's come up a lot in the preseason. Four hundred and fifty three K. Uh obviously you know more about Grey than I do, so is he somebody that you would be considering for your forward line? In the past, he's gone massive, you know, when he plays in the midfield and stuff, but how do you see him going in 2020? If you think Ken will
1: be fired in the first few weeks, and I could potentially see Gray popping up on a few radars, but with his coaching style, Gray just isn't in those big midfield plans. He'll flash through there and he'll be brilliant and he'll kick, you know, he's one goal, two goals a game, whatever it is. But it's just he's not enough. It's not enough midfield time for him to average 100 in Supercoach. And as much as I love Robbie, I, th- I think he's sensational. Like it, it, he's a, such a good forward, and that's sort of his downfall. He's he's so good up forward, and we he sort of has something that Port lacks. Even with Rosie back there, he, he sort of just has that one-on-one ability that we don't have in any other player besides Motlop, of course. Um, that he just can't spend as much time in the midfield as supporters would want, fans would want, supercoach players would want, and it just rules him out for me. So unless a new coach comes in and has a different attitude about it, I just can't see Robbie being a prolific supercoach player in you know until we ever. <laughs> From yep. here. Yep. Which is um, sad
0: though, but it is that, it is what it is. It is. Um I'm not gonna add anything to that. I think you absolutely nailed it. Um a couple more speculative picks that I've seen uh, pop up um, Jack Martin moved to Carlton he's 422 or 420k um, average of 77 I JB I do not for the life of me understand the Jack Martin pick I, I know that he was a talented junior I know he was possibly well he was touted at the time as like the most talented junior like ever mm-hmm. uh, when he went you know in the super draft but in terms of super coach he's just not a good super coach player he's got a high of 81 um sure he might get some midfield time at Carlton but like they have a decent midfield I mean their midfield actually is quite good so uh, what's he he's he's been averaging 18 possessions over his career um what's he suddenly going to average like 25 and then average above 90 like I just don't really see it happening maybe he can average 20 touches and Go to an average of eighty-three, but like, what 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 game are we playing here? By you know looking at Jack Martin, he he just he's he just doesn't get twenty
1: disposals enough. Last season he had it uh, if I were to count here one two three four five times five. yeah five times in his twenty-ish games like it's, it's just not good enough. He needs to get it more, or he needs to kick much more goals to be any sort of relevance whatsoever. Carlton have already said that he's playing forward. He their plans are to play him in their forward line. He's going to be that player who pops up with a couple of miraculous goals. Um they have players like Petreski Seaton. Um they got I uh, the list goes on. The Bulldogs uh, the Bulldogs. The Blues are getting a deep sort of midfield. So you've got like Fisher, Petreski Seaton, a lot of players who just flash through there that are just ahead of Martin. And they should be because Martin's such a good forward that, you know, he can be up forward and be impactful in the game. Those other guys are sort of, you know, not not as impactful unless they're playing in, in that sort of predominant role. So I just don't, he just won't get the midfield time, he won't get the disposals, he won't get the points, he won't get the average, and he shouldn't just, just should not be categorically should not be in more than three percent of teams, and I assume three percent of Carlton fans don't know enough about Supercoach
0: to not start him. Fair enough. Um, I was going to ask you about Rosie. Um, uh, did you have any specific thoughts on him? Because he's he's popped up in a couple of teams as well.
1: Uh, I think he'll play more midfield, but not enough. Not this year. Um, a, a great pick for the future again, as we've spoken about a few times this podcast. Um, people, I think people make their like dream team twenty twenty three sides where these yeah. players are going to be like good midfielders. They're probably going to have like there's going to be a bunch of these guys who break out like your Brayshaw's and your your Hunter Clark's and yeah you know there's so many of those players but it's just not this year not for rosie
0: yeah i also find that strange people pick him above um bailey smith who's at 416k for the bulldogs he averaged 76 in his first year which is you know almost the same as rosie average 77 but you know smith might move into a full-time midfield and who knows how he, he's bloody amazing i love watching smith play so anyway just a fun little facts um chad wingard 412k um Another ex, I guess, Portman. Um, he has potential to be a good super coach player. It's all about the role, isn't it, JB? He's had
1: potential to be a good super coach player since he was drafted. I mean, <laughs> there's two things wrong with him. He doesn't play enough games. It's, sorry, well, there's more than two things, but he doesn't play enough games. <laughs> he's inconsistent, and the role is just never... It's, it's like he can play in the midfield, but... He needs almost a hundred percent midfield time to sort of pump out those really good scores. And um, being forward eligible will probably tempt us forever. In in five years' time, we're probably going to say Chad Wingard, he's got potential, but it it just he doesn't he doesn't put it together. I just don't think he will. I think there'll be there'll be some years where he averages ninety ninety five, and you know he was a good pick that year. He'll probably miss like four or five games those years, and you know that yeah, big tick for that. But I just don't think he has it in him to be a prolific super coach player. Especially not this year, but
0: Yeah. He's, he's he's creeping up in age as well. I, I still remember him in his second season. Is he thinking 20, like, what, twenty six now? It's turning twenty seven, yeah. But like just wow. I remember him in his second year thinking like this guy is like something completely special and yep. that that was his best year probably. So Yep, it really anyway. was. Um so we've we've got a to touch on some of these players that are in a lot of sides. Andrew Brayshaw. Um, I think did you also have him in your keeper league? I'm not, yeah, I can't I've got remember. Him as well. Yeah, so I don't know if you're being sarcastic. Me, I spoke about him a lot. Uh, look, to be fair, I wasn't really paying attention to you know, the <laughs> bottom bottom of the, the ladder. But fair tell enough. me, um, you were. What, what, are thoughts, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on him in the season? He's he's in quite a lot of teams. Uh,
1: so I think the thing that's tempting people is I think he went at eighty-five for a six or seven round patch last season in the second half of the year. Um, I would know I think I brought it up a lot in the group chat because I was you know, finally seeing a bit of progress from him but that's pretty much all it was it was finally a bit of progress that Andrew Brachel will be a half decent super coach player in the future again I just don't think it's this year Like right, he, he might go up to an 80 average he jumped from 60 to 70 last year I believe and then he might do another plus 10 but he, he's not suddenly going to jump you know a stupid amount of points and, and get into that top 6 forward so He's not cheap either. 380k is not a player that you're picking to make you 150k because then he's a, he's a premium player. So for me, he, he just doesn't have it this year to be the type of player that you're going to want to keep for the entire season. And trust me, he puts out some absolute stinkers. <laughs> he puts yeah. out some bad scores and he's got incredible potential, but stick him in your dream team 2023 side with you know Rosie and, and that.
0: Yeah, it's it's really fascinating because I I know he's get some more midfield time, but you're expecting him to go from seventy to what? Realistically, you'd want him to go above ninety uh, for him to be worth it. But that that's a huge jump. Like maybe he could go eighty five. He's but not to go ninety Oliver. and ninety five plus. Like it's just not going to happen. No. Like he, he gets a lot of the ball in some games and still doesn't score well in Supercoach because he just doesn't use it well. When when Clayton Oliver got a lot of the ball early on he always scored well so there's already a difference there anyway he's not Um, a
1: tackling machine he's not a contested beast he's not a ball magnet he's a good player and he will be a good player in future but for our super coach sides you're just trying to you're trying to be too far ahead of the curve like in two years time when Brayshaw does start playing well you can be like oh yeah see I saw that coming two years ago but it's like "Oh, you you didn't want to start him
0: that year (laughs) that's pretty much how I feel so uh Jack Stephen, we've got to to discuss Jack Stephen. 361K, move to the Cats. Uh, Is he in your current Supercoach side?
1: He wasn't in my first one. And then I made one edit, and it was, I think you and I had had a discussion about the mid-prices and stretching our forward and defense out so we can get more rookies off the field in those positions. And the more you think about Jack Stephen, the more tempting he becomes. And if he just plays a semblance of that Tim Kelly void midfield time that's left at the Cats there. It's not like it's going to, you know, suddenly turn back the clock and play 100% midfield time. He's a really, really good forward. Steven's an average forward and a good midfielder and a decent wingman. I think he can fill a bit of that void and go close enough to what we'd need for a mid-pricer to be successful or even a lower, lower end premium. I just need to see him fit. If he's not, fit in the preseason then I just won't have him on my side
0: yeah I mean look his lowest average since uh, 2012 outside of last season is 85 obviously he was playing in the midfield um, but that was his lowest by a lot like he's a player that can just you know, average hundred in the midfield. I do not expect him to play full-time midfielder for Geelong. I think they're going to use you know um, some development for some of the kids coming through. Sparkle Narkle's really good. Um, you know, they still have Constable. Um, I'm not sure how many how much game time he'll get. If, if you've got some players coming back from injury like Cockatoo and stuff like that, that will get s- minor runs through the midfield. I, I just think he will get some time um, from that. You know, Tim Kelly type of time, and he will play in a half forward role. It's pretty low risk at 360K. I currently don't have him in my side because I don't have any forward mid prices. Um, and if I did, I'd probably want Buddy um, in my side. But I, I can definitely see the appeal. I-, I wouldn't even mind starting Steven and Buddy, for example. Like, I, oh, I feel like I, feel- <laughs> I know it sounds awful. Um, but I feel like if he is going to be playing more of the Kelly uh, position than we realize. And we'll find out in the preseason competition what sort of role he's going to get. Then he definitely has, you know, a hundred upside. So he's certainly one to watch. And I'm sure there's lots of people um, that have him in the squad. But at the same time, if he's just playing pure half forward, which we will find out in the preseason, then there will, it will be a pass for me.
1: So a player who was traded and then won the best and fairest at his new club with an average super coach score of ninety-seven point eight. Then went on to injure his bicep last year in the preseason and averaged 68 before putting a line through season within the injury. A lot of people have Devin Smith. A lot of people have, I wouldn't say lofty expectations, but at you know a, a slightly discounted Jack Stephen price, you're looking at someone who's either going to be a successful mid-pricer, so averaging you know, 80, 85, or a premium. He had scores last year. I know he had that bicep injury that was, you know, niggly and, and, and whatnot, but he had scores of 58, 35, 60, 71. That's round 4, four six, seven, and 8. But they have bad scores, dude.
0: Yeah. I actually really, really, really dislike the Devin Smith pick. And here's why. It's not actually because of his injury at all. Like, at do not care about his injury at all. It's purely to do with his role. Like, he lost his role before he got injured. Like, Essendon decided that his best use would happen to be this year playing from the half-forward line. And he is like an elite half-forward, so I can see why they wanted him to play in that role. And he doesn't score well in that role. Like, he's got, like, 80 85 upside in that role that it's not a good super coach role for him and the problem is Essendon are really not that good so when you're playing in a forward line of its side that's not that good you just don't score very well so for this pick it's as simple as you watch him in the preseason and if he plays as a pure midfielder which he did in 2018 then it's a worthwhile selection and if he's playing in half forward you stay the hell away because there's it's just going to fall back in your face you're only stuck with someone who's 330k which is the most awkward of prices like it's the lowest of all the other mid prices so you can't even downgrade to other mid prices um, this is one that I think will be clear as day uh, to see if he's a good pick or not during the preseason competition
1: yep I tend to agree and I hate to trash on every single player that I've got left in my keeper league but Devin Smith is another one and watching him play was just it was really eye-opening I, I can't imagine a world in which I start him unless he's like you said, back to his 2017 sorry 18 best and tackling machine pure mid in their in their plans to be their you know pure midfielder 80% 20% top of the situation. And then I'll consider him, but if it's not like anything like that, it's just it's too risky. He just has those low scores and is effect, an effective forward in terms of AFL football, but not in terms of SuperCoach. So. Yeah, it's it's not one for me at this stage. So, um, I've had a scroll through. I can't find anyone
0: else that really makes me raise my
1: eyebrows. Uh, is there anyone else that you're sort of looking at?
0: I'm just going to throw some random left field options at you here. Go for it. Um, we've got Jonathan Patton with his ruck forward DPP at 337k. Hate it. Uh, guess ex- explain why you hate it because I, I keep seeing him pop up in random forward lines as well.
1: If I gave you an over-under on games played for Jonathan Patton of 10, would you go over or under? Over. You reckon?
0: Yeah, I think... I, confidently I reckon, over. Confidently, I think that he will play majority of the season. Okay. Then if Very I went
1: a Supercoach average of over-under 65,
0: what would you go for then? <laughs> over. I think he will average about 80 flat.
1: Okay. Well, you're looking to Which start is good. Jonathan I, Patton I think that's by great. the of it.
0: No, but like, why would I pick a DPP guy that's going to average 80 at 337k he's not going to make any money and yeah he'll cover Gorn or Grundy in one buy round but like what, what am I doing with that pick yeah. like, and the I injury just, risk is there and it. the
1: scoring risk is there as well it's, it, for me it, it just doesn't serve any purpose besides bringing risk to your team
0: no, I I don't get it. There's there's been rumors of uh Cam McCarthy playing on the wing at Fremantle. He's McCarthy. 289k. Um I can't really see him being a big enough ball winner for him to actually nah. be viable, but uh
1: I'll start a rookie uh, and take 150k every day of the week over that.
0: Yes. Um which leads us maybe one of our last mid-prices, um Joe Danaher, 270k. Oh, is it 2019 um, preseason already? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's 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 the call. Um, I mean, look, if he's fit round one, 270k. What have you got to lose, JB? <laughs>
1: exactly. Pride,
0: exactly. dignity. Exactly. I mean, a whole bunch of things. He's just, um,
1: he's just too injury prone, and I I think he does have the potential to average well one year, but. He doesn't even want to be at Essendon. He's got the injury risk. Like it's, mate. If he was at Sydney, I would I would consider it honestly. Yeah, but he's not, and he's I'm not, not considering it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so there, another. I'm just going to keep throwing out these. No, I love this. I love this. Names names at you. Um, let's say Adelaide copper injury in their midfield. Maybe one of the crash bros goes down. Fingers crossed. Um, no, 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 that's a joke. That's a joke. Ben Keys uh, moved from Brisbane might finally get some midfield ben time Keys. rather than playing as a forward, uh, for Brisbane, extremely talented junior that didn't quite make the jump to AFL probably because he was played as a forward for his entire career for no reason when he's a good midfielder. Um, 266k, I think we could put a watch on it,
1: maybe. Um I'm certain that they've got three or four players earmarked for midfield time ahead of Ben Keys. Players like Chase Jones or um, players that they have had in their system for years. <laughs>
0: players they haven't tried yet. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, like the, the, the players that have done the hard yards, been in their system for years. I'm, I'd be surprised if it took any less than three injuries for Ben Keys to get midfield time, so... Right. I mean, I'd I'd love to see him tear it up in the preseason. I do I do enjoy a good comeback story, but I just yeah I don't I don't think he's a viable option at this point.
0: Brett Buley, two fifty k. I don't
1: mind this one. He could be alright, but no, he's not going to be that good.
0: <laughs> you got really excited for that.
1: I know. I like the answer. mature age Barlow vibes that he gives off. I, I I genuinely think he could average around the around the eighty mark, but it's just too risky. And and the fact of the matter is, he's probably going to average seventy so it's what? it's just not it's just genuinely not worth it on any level unless you really believe in Buley and you know you went down to Fremantle training and he tore it up he taught five a lesson then you know maybe I, I could justify the pick honestly if you're that keen on it but for me it's just not one that's on, on that close to my radar at the moment
0: uh, what about Vandenberg at 250k oh my god what is
1: he in the <laughs> league still
0: <laughs> not Richie Vandenberg Aaron Vandenberg oh my god Okay. Uh, no. Melbourne um, yeah, no are bad. All right. Yeah. Fair. That's <laughs> he's bad. That's fair. That's that's very fair. Um, <laughs> These can't be the There's, best
1: names you have got to throw at me.
0: I've got some Riley West at two thirty k.
1: Popping in your twenty twenty three squad, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, that that twenty twenty three squad's looking pretty solid right now. I don't It'd think you'll be, be able to afford it. Yeah. Um, Jacob Townsend at two twenty k. Where is he playing now? Essendon Essendon with the promise of more midfield time Ahead uh, of fellow Essendon player Dev Smith
1: Ahead of of fellow Essendon forward Stringer and Dev Smith Yeah Um, What are they
0: doing with these players? Like just play them They're good forwards Play them as a forward Don't try and make uh, them a midfielder
1: If only they recruited Robbie Gray He'd be perfect (laughs) He's actually a midfielder (laughs) He would
0: What about um, Aiden Bonner? Sorry, what? Sorry, Aiden Bonner from uh, North Melbourne, you know, GWS guy. I have seen across. him in a,
1: in a few teams, yeah. I, I suppose he does have that whole potential... He was on GWS's list, so, you know, maybe he's a Josh Kelly mark two and, and just didn't get the opportunity. But, you know, those those players that have moved from GWS in the past, besides Devin Smith, who was already an established player, and Dylan Shield, who was already an established player, they haven't been amazing. Like, they've, they've moved... They've been okay. They've been decent. They haven't been amazing though. Like it's, what's his price? It's around two hundred k, isn't it?
0: It's two hundred k. Yeah, but I think I, people like, forget he's not like a big ball winner. Like I, I mean, what
1: upside I, is this? I could, I could see him in the preseason doing enough to convince people, and maybe have myself considering it with the lack of rookies. But it, it take a lot. It would take. It's a bit of a reach.
0: Like. If he comes out with a pair of 70s, which I'd be like, yeah, okay, two 70s, but then I'm thinking, is he worth paying 80K more than a rookie that's going to average 60? Like, I'd rather the 80K. And yeah, you're not starting him over,
1: you know, Isaac Rankin or... I mean, probably yeah. not even over Nakai Cockatoo if he's named.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't quite... Unless he's, you know, pumping out these 80s and the, the, the preseason, I can, I can put him on my field. I don't really understand why he's not a big ball winner i just don't think that there's going to be this huge upside to him at 200k like he's not going to make that much money maybe um, he goes
1: in the 2023 team but at 200k Still. and on the bench <laughs>
0: uh stephen hill at 190k uh do you want to talk about jordan dawson afterwards <laughs> i feel like we're rambling now okay no we're not. We've, we've 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 got the the rookies um we probably won't Talk about them. You already mentioned uh, Cockatoo yep. and Rankin. I think they're clearly the best, I guess, two forward rookies um, if they're named. Um, I guess Max King as well, 123k key forwards, probably not going to score very well, but I think we the hope Port, that he the gets port Boy looks
1: okay as well. Um, there's been a bit of talk about him doing well early and, and potentially getting game time early so i think a few people as miles bergman i think his
0: name is yeah bergman yeah uh, he could do well i mean frampton got traded and he's won 65k to adelaide maybe he'll play in that jenkins role potentially um, something to consider Trader. maybe crosstown rivals. maybe how, he how beats he? rob and it plays a starting ruck and they just like <laughs> have <you> this <laughs> right, right there. Rob's right like the they biggest did- one-year wonder ever yeah, they ditched Jacobs to have Rob as number one ruck and then Frampton's number one ruck. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of players that like could be potential, Darcy Cameron as well. Um, yeah, a, ho- a whole bunch of wait and sees. Um, is that is that pretty much it, JB? Yes, so
1: uh, we were going to do all the positions, but I think we talked more in depth and and about more players than what we expected so I ended up just doing the the forward and back we will hit the midfielders which will probably be the biggest discussion and then a a short discussion about the Ruckman and and why you shouldn't start Source Jacobs um, (laughs) on the next podcast and uh, with that all being said I think that wraps us up so um, our Patreon is still up and going there's uh, up to I think 120, 150 people in there we did max out at 200 at one point uh, and then I think if we had a bit of a mass exodus after the cup, people didn't really, uh, people didn't get into the, the slack enough around the cup stage. I think they, they jumped in for the cup and then jumped out, but they missed, they missed a good thing with slack.
0: Yeah, the um, people that, the people that started chatting and everything thought it was awesome. They were like, they I, can't fell believe in believe love, I yeah. did this the whole, se- they're like I missed out on the whole season worth of chatting. So I only bothered figuring it out in the cup and they were like, I may as well try it for $3. For so yeah. um, thank you that- to those that, that stayed and, and gave it a crack and, so the others that just win the cup and just left afterwards still thank you for playing in the cup but sure. try and try and say hi next time we'd love I to I think we're going to
1: rejig the tier system so I won't speak too much on prices at the moment but yes we should wait uh, for that. but it's still there and it's it's still amazing so definitely there's a lot of talk at the moment already about the uh, the the, the super opening and how everyone's teams looking early days so If that interests you, then make sure you jump on and have a look. Uh, Besides that, make sure you check out the the Facebook, leave a comment uh, as to whether you enjoyed the podcast or not. If you want me to do it just with me and Cheezo next time, cut out Pistol, then (laughs) we appreciate the feedback. If you have negative feedback about me, maybe just keep it to yourself. Um, And then that's essentially, yeah, I think we're still going for the ratings on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you check us out everywhere. And as always, Pistol, thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you, JB. And uh, you can find some of myself if you have any Supercoach questions or you can find all of us on uh, Twitter. Find JB at JB underscore DRSC. You can find myself at Pistol underscore DRSC. And you can find Chizo with a Z at Chizo underscore DRSC. JB, thank you very much for losing to me in the race to 1,000 followers. <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. Um, and thank you for joining us, uh, community.